Welcome to My Creative Classroom, an EdTech podcast that focuses on highlighting educational tools that help teachers transform learning in or out of their classrooms. On this special edition of the podcast, I am highlighting some of the amazing speakers at the annual Atlantic Education Institute held virtually from July 26th to August 6th. You can visit connected-community.ca for more details and registration. I hope my conversations will help you in your creative journey in education. My name is Brian Willette, and welcome to My Creative Classroom. Now, welcome back because I am excited about this episode because I'm honored to welcome the opening keynote speaker from the Atlantic Education Institute. He supports shaping organizations and systems at the structure and leadership level to achieve innovation and excellence. He is the author of Constructing Leadership 4.0. I am pleased to welcome Dr. Richard Kelly. Dr. Kelly, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Uh, It's a pleasure to be here, Brian. So, uh, Dr. Kelly, let's tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what brought you to kind of publishing literature about leadership. Well, um, yeah, well, I spent 30 years in, in organizations um, and it, I, I've gone through certain cycles because I, I started out thinking I was l- developing leaders. And then I thought I was maybe developing organizations because my background is organizational development and then i kind of realized pretty late in the game that in fact what i'm doing is developing systems i'm developing in fact the systems for uh, leaders and organizations and projects to to work and uh, for me that was a way in to thinking about how can i put that into some into some learning for myself my journey and how can I communicate that journey maybe to a readership. So I went through an odyssey and uh, my book is really my own personal odyssey around how I have come to think differently about organizations and leadership. Yeah. That's an amazing story. And, and you mentioned the book. So let's talk a little bit about Constructing Leadership 4.0 for our listeners and our viewers who, who may not quite know of that book. What, what can people expect when they pick it off the shelf and start reading it? Um, what, 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 what is it about and how, how does it help our listeners? Well, um, it starts with, I guess, a real basic um, unlearning, I like to call it. And uh, uh, I think of it in terms of, of um, a fishbowl and a fish. And we can put a fish in the fishbowl, in a round fishbowl, and we see the behavior of the fish is going around in circles. And what have we been doing as organi- for organizations for so many years? Well, we've been trying to change the behavior of the fish. And what I realized is, in fact, we really need to focus on, hey, let's change the bowl. Um, and then we can begin to change the behavior of the fish. And I think that's constructing leadership 4.0 is saying a couple of things. It's saying, one, that we are, bear in mind this was written pre-COVID, that we are definitely going through a paradigm shift because we are entering into what we call Industry 4.0, and that's all about the connected economy, the connected organization, it's about the agile organization, it's about um, the fact that um, 
generations now are changing, generational attitude to work is changing, which is creating um, the, the need or the desire for flexibility. So there's a huge shift that's going on in the workplace. It, these shifts have gone on yeah, in, in the past, but this, is, this feels like a big one. And my cry, my war cry is to that we must allow, we, organizations need to prepare for this and they need to think about um, three things, um, technology, mindset, and systems. And they're all related, correlated. And the role of leadership, the, the leadership 4.0 piece, is to actually think in a, in a whole system way of how, of how organizations run. What an amazing analogy, you know, your fish in a fishbowl. We keep trying to teach this fish kind of new tricks or new patterns, but the bowl remains the same. The system remains the same. And so what are some examples, if you have some, of experiences that you've had with organizations and systems that really have changed the fishbowl or, or have you seen that happen yet? Yeah, I mean, well, this is, this is to, to get a, a tad theoretical, but not too much. I mean, this is... Um Organizations have been trying to do this for 50 years. That's, that's the irony of, I mean, we started really post-war around about the sort of 50s and 60s, but definitely by the 70s when Japan entered the technological race and we were, we were looking to achieve excellence. Uh, um, we have been looking and exploring how we develop the kind of the leadership model. Um, and we've, got, we've made a journey uh, I say we, we the organizations have made a journey and they've gone from sort of transactional leadership which is you know the 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 leader telling telling the follower or the employee what to do to this kind of transformational leadership which is a kind of a, a partnership of uh, um, a sort of an enablement of of people in the workplace but the the, the what I say in my book is that this doesn't work um, transformational leadership just hasn't it hasn't lived up to the the billing or the expectation and um, so and and the reason for that is coming back to this core question around systems because in transformational leadership what you have you teach leaders to become transformational and and through their charisma and through their influence they change the system and you get this kind of learning organization effect which is the peter senge whole idea coming into play so that that single single leaders can make a difference and shape the system but what happens is and in, this is my experience of of actually developing leaders is that you take that leader on the journey you take them out of the workplace sometimes we we work with them in the workplace but usually it's residential it's out of the workplace you can spend a, a week two weeks a month working with leaders to make them into transformational leaders and what do they do they go back into the system and what happens is the conditional aspect of that system basically pushes them back to being the same old leaders and um so and, and, and it also, conversely, it happens where the system, you know, the, uh, so a leader will go into the system having been on a sort of transformational journey and everybody's very cynical about this new leader. You know, what's happened? You know, where's the authenticity? So, so 
so um, what I've been trying to do or working with leaders is to think about how we transform the actual system itself and um, and technology is the enabler to that uh, with that and for that and I'm sure because of COVID, because of the global pandemic, we have seen an increase of technology in education and other organizations for sure. Their use, especially, and the demand for it. And, you know, you mentioned there are key factors that affect this this transformation in leadership and the effectiveness in a system. Can you give us some examples or what are some of those factors that you feel, whether it be in, in education or the industry, what are some of those factors that truly affect how a system can evolve. I don't think I understand your question, Brian. It's Sorry. a bit of a loaded question, I think. You mentioned you know, the, uh, a system and, and, and taking leaders out of a system to train them to become transformational leaders um, and then having them go back into the system and kind of revert back to their old ways. Um, what are some of the factors that you feel need to be changed or will affect how we can not have that happen? Yeah, so, um, so sorry, that's a great question. Um, and that goes back to the way organizations are wired. Um, and they are hardwired to around conditioning, what, what Skinner calls operant conditioning. And that can come in all sorts of shapes and sizes. I mean, it, it comes through the very sort of promotion ladder. Um, that conditions behaviors. It comes through bonuses. It comes through... Um, uh, the nine to five presentism it comes through um, um, the expectation that we have around leaders who go through the sort of the management tend to go through the management step ladder to get to leadership so they go through the whole organization and conditioning factor so this is a this is a huge fix because what was what would what um, if you want to start thinking about organizations in a different way, it's not just the sort of thing we did in the 1980s, which is kind of knock down a few walls and make the, the, the office a bit open planned, which can tend to annoy a lot of people as well. No, it's, it's deeper than that. I mean, it's, a, it's attitudinal and it's behavioral. It's saying, um, how can we create the right conditions here? How can we make, for example, um, how can we change t job titles? How can we change the way we work? How can we change the whole contractual idea about working sort of in, in, a, in a, a set time frame? How can we change um, the culture, uh, the organizational culture that's, that celebrates and um, promotes um, uh, technical excellence, but also intellectual excellence? And how can we redefine that to, to, to start thinking about the collective organization and how leadership can be far more collective and how the mark of a good leader is not their technical or intelligent um, angle, but really how they can begin to create the right environment which is the collaborative environment and agile environment for people to succeed. And that's a big ask and a big shift. Yeah, absolutely. And but great words to say, you know, it doesn't it doesn't happen overnight. You know, there's a mindset, there's a systems effect, there's a whole 
way of outlook for it to transform down the road. And and we've talked a little bit about your 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 book, you know, um, the the constructing leadership 4.0. And and you know, we've been talking a little bit prior to this. And is there a second book coming out? Is there another piece of literature on its way? Literature on its way. Well, yes. There is Brian. <laughs> um, so I've just finished I've just finished my my new book. Um, and it's called The Nature of Business Transformation because the thing that I have, I just finished the final I, the dot, the sitting back in the chair, the feeling kind of rather um, happy with the world that you've written a book. And, and then I sort of in, instantly started thinking to myself, well, in fact, what you're t how do you make it work? How do, I, I've, I've, I did tackle this in the book. I did work this and I got loads of tools. But in fact, there's the organizational change effort, the business transformation effort, because, and, and that's the thing I think that you're touching on, and which I believe in, which is I think there needs to be a phased approach, a accelerated approach. John Cotter's got a new, has a, a recent book out called Acceleration, and he looks at a phased approach of, of transforming the business. And my new book exp explores really a three-phased approach of how we can um, set about um, getting to the point of, of being a, co a more collective organization, collective decision making, collective leadership. Um, and it does, and, it's, and, and it is all about changing the, the structure. It is about changing mindsets and behaviors, but it's also, my new book, very much about um, um, uh, taking on in the emergent technology and allowing that to facilitate this new behavioral collective change. I, I'm equally as excited to read that book now. Like I think the words you write are, are amazing and inspirational to the point of, of wanting to kind of make you think. And you mentioned, you know, I'll go back to your first analogy of the fish in the fishbowl. It kind of makes us as leaders, as individuals, look at the world differently rather than just say, okay, how do I change this overnight? But really, how do I affect change over the whole across the whole system um and you know let's talk a little bit about the atlantic education oh actually when can people expect this book to come out okay so it's it's i've it's now with a publisher and um there it's going through the editing phase so i would say possibly about two to three months okay it wonderful it'll be published by routledge that's great. That's great to hear. So we can expect it on the shelves in two to three months. That's awesome. And so let's let's divert a little bit to the Atlantic Education Institute um, and your keynote because it's so amazing to have you as the opening keynote for this year's Atlantic Education Institute. What can our participants and our listeners and our viewers expect to hear during your keynote address? Okay, so I won't show all my cards, um, <laughs> but... Um, you see, I think the challenge is, if, so when the, the interesting thing is when you start looking at everything from a systems point of view, you don't, you, you sort of go beyond the boundaries. Um, so the organizational challenges that I've been exploring for 30 years are also, I, I note, educational challenges um, or, or school education challenges. They're the same challenges because it's the, it's the same uh, phenomenon that's happened and, and very briefly it's I think the last hundred years definitely um, but it's 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 longer than that there has been a shift and 
that shift, as we know, is being around from going uh, from being sort of a a centralized culture, and that's how, and, um, right the way through to a constructed culture, and then onto what I'm calling a connected culture. So these are th uh, these are the sort of three. F there are other phases, but these are three phases I see, and this runs through all the systems. So, for example, in organization, organizations, the the um, the the, the uh, centralization was very dominant in the early part in the earliest twentieth century. Um, the uh, the classic management um, uh, th there's a school of classic management uh, theorists, and they actually supported and championed the idea of of centralization, from, you know, bureaucracy and and standardization um, and we can see that that's that's kind of that has its legacy to almost the industrial revolution and beyond I mean that that sort of scent of of the centralized force centralization was in education as well I mean the idea of rows of chairs and uh, the central dominant uh, teacher at the front um, uh, I'm, I'm thinking particularly of uh, the author I love is uh, Charles Dickens in Hard Times and there's a beautiful description of a Victorian school um, where you know the teacher is um, on the raised platform the kids are in the rows of chairs and it's all about the locus of authority is with the teacher that that's also in organizations we've had leadership leaders being very dominant we've come out of a um, uh, what's called the great man theory of Thomas Carlyle which was and, and it's from Nietzsche as well championing this idea of the exceptionalism and, and the and the charismatic person um, well interestingly about the mid-century uh, 20th century and a little bit beyond we we got into this theory of constructivism um, and this ties into my PhD thesis so that's why it's something I'm quite interested in but that constructivism is, is about constructed reality so it's about it's about a partnership between leader and employee, teacher and student. Um, and constructivism has been with us for a long time. Um, but the thing about constructivism is it's, it's, it's about, it's, it's, it's more, cons it's, you still have a centralized figure in constructivism. You have someone who's creating the chances, creating the structure for others to succeed. Um, in, um, in educational speak, um, that's known as scaffolding from, from the theorists such as Vygotsky and Bruner who talk about the role of the educator is to create the scaffold for the student to learn from. Um, well, in business, we also had this. We had, and it's called, it was called transformational leadership. We had the idea of the leader um, creating a followership, constructing the, the chances, but still, in fact, being a leader in a traditional sense. So now I'm moving on to my third phase, which I think is the, the sh I think is the future, and that's around the connect connectivism and connections. Because again, if we go, if we start with education, uh, what you've got is you've got, you've got students who are second generation, second digital um, native generation. Um, they're very f fluent and very comfortable with 
um, augmented intelligence of going into their pockets, coming out with their Google and um, connecting um, on the social media. Um, they're, they're practically cyborgs. Elon, Elon Musk calls them actually cyborgs, uh, the cyborg generation. Um, and yet, it, for the, the, the educational system can still reflect quite a traditional classroom approach. So, and that's the same in business. What we have in business is we have traditional leaders, but we also have the idea of this new generation of workers, the millennials, who, who have different expectations and are, are more about connectivity than they are about construction. So, so I mean, that's a real sh a snapshot of saying that there is a massive seismic shift going on, I believe, toward away from constructivism, which has dominated our, our systems for so long, toward connectivism, and that's all about people giving up control, and it's also about people um, con connecting and learning through through th through their uh, relationships and through their collaborations. Wow! Like I, I think, and just listening to you speak, it's it's so great to hear in that flow of of this journey if that we've been on into this connectivism kind of generation. I'm excited for this keynote and hopefully our listeners and our viewers join us, you know, uh, to listen to Dr. Kelly speak about it and this uh, and what it looks like and what it feels like in this reality. And I think it, many people um, can learn from it and, and our leaders can, can see even maybe some some future what the steps moving forward might be for themselves in listening to you speak. And so, Dr. Kelly, I have one final question for you here today. And we know the theme of the Atlantic Education Institute is around innovative leadership. And so I wanted to ask you, what do you think it means to be an innovative leader? That's a great question. And so I think this connects a little bit back to the theme I was talking about as well. So innovation is about new. It's, um, it's from the Latin to, to create a new. And... Um, we have, for so long, we've had uh, figures, authority figures, teachers, um, leaders, um, who have attempted to steer that, that new perspective, that innovative approach. And for me, the revolution or the, or the, or the thinking is about, actually, how do you galvanize the system how do you get collective, a collective decision making, a collective innovation? So the role of the leader or the teacher in that sense changes. It ceases to become the scaffold I was talking about, the, the constructor of the experience or knowledge, and actually becomes someone who is in enabling, connecting, facilitating to some degree, um, uh, 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 the collective knowledge that's in the system. And for me, that's where future leadership and innovation is going to lie. It's about collective intelligence. And if I can just finally plug, I link this in, my, in both my books to superorganisms and particularly honeybees. I'm fascinated by honeybees. 
Um, so, and I use the idea of superorganisms such as ants, honeybees throughout my book. And what is remarkable about honeybees, and I explore this very much in my new book, is that they have seen, they have been able to um, have a form of leadership that we can only dream about. Can you imagine, for example, that every single year, um, two thirds of the colony leave the, the mother nest and go collectively, collectively, over 10,000 bees collectively decide, and there's, there's the ways they do that is, are interesting, but I won't go into it now, collectively decide where they are going to set up a new uh, colony, and then they, they, they set up that new colony. And, and if organizations, <laughs> how many years does it take for organizations to do a simple redevelopment? So I think innovati the, the innovative space here is we should learn from um, the natural systems, and we should use enabling technology to be able to facilitate it. And that's my new book. Absolutely, absolutely amazing. And I love your your you the honeybee example. I want you to go into the ants example. And now I just want to talk for a couple hours because it's even more interesting. But as we know, we'll have to hold off to your keynote um, at the Atlantic Education Institute. And so, Dr. Kelly, I thank you so much uh, for taking the time and joining me on the podcast, sharing your story, sharing some information about your books, and a little bit about what your keynote's going to look look like at the Atlantic Education Institute as well. So for all of our listeners out there, I encourage you to check out uh, Dr. Kelly's book, Constructing Leadership 4.0. And don't forget, you can sign up and join us at the Atlantic Education Institute from July 26th to August 6th. Just go to the website connected-community.ca, also in the show notes for you as well. Don't forget, as always, let's make learning creative and follow us on social media using at mycreativepod. My name is Brian Willette, and this was my creative classroom.